Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I am here with another fabulous Real Estate Investor Goddess interview. And our our goddess today is uh, a woman that helps. She's not only is she a successful investor, but she's also a tax expert. One of the main benefits of investing in real estate is the tax savings. It can help you create, and our guest today knows all about that, is going to share um, about some important tax considerations for us, especially in light of last year's um, new tax law that was passed in 2017. Marie is the founder of Grassmeyer Business Consulting. She's a CPA providing tax and consulting services to domestic and international individuals and businesses. Marie is also a certified management accountant, certified global management accountant, and a registered trust and estate practitioner. She specializes in assisting foreign investors with their U.S. tax and compliance needs, and she also enjoys working with entrepreneurs through the entire life cycle of a business, from startup to succession planning. She's fluent in Swedish, and she's developed a niche in assisting clients from Scandinavia actually grew up in Sweden. Marie is a member of the American Institute of CPAs, the Florida Institute of CPAs, the Institute of Management Accountants, and STEP International, and I'm so thrilled to have her here. Welcome, Marie. Thank you, Monique. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I'm really excited for the opportunity to share tax tips uh, for real estate investors. Great. So before we get into the tax tips, um, I'd love I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story in real estate investing because you're a, an investor yourself. How did you get started in real estate investing? Well, my husband and I actually got started in real estate investing as soon as we got married. We uh, we started out small, like most people, renting out our condo instead of selling it when we bought our first house. So I think that's a great way to really start out small and then try it out. Uh, It worked well for us, and uh, since then we have invested in land, uh, single-family houses, and condos here in Florida where uh, we currently live. Okay, great. So um, so you're you're – you're a ta- you're a uh, an investor yourself, but really, I wanted to get you here to share a, a little bit more about the tax side because it's such an important part of uh, real estate investing here in the U.S. So, what are some of the tax benefits of investing in real estate? Well, there are a lot of tax benefits, uh, you know, for real estate investors, and uh, that goes to whether you hold title directly in your personal name or hold it in one of your businesses, or if you're a passive investor uh, in a syndication or in a real estate investment trust or any other type of entity or joint venture. So I figured let's start by talking about holding an investment in your own name or an entity that you self-manage, because this is the easiest way to get started. Um, Mm -hmm. So, for example, like what we had, we had a condo, we rented it out, and usually you will have a regular you know, monthly cash flow. Um, but even if you have a positive cash flow after your you know, operating expenses, depreciation will often generate a tax loss. So depreciation is a non-cash expense. So, for example, let's say you buy a condo for 500000 
It's residential real estate, and it will be depreciated over 27 and a half years using a straight line method. So in that example, the annual tax deduction for depreciation is just around 18000 which really helps you, you know, reduce income. And you can offset income from other sources other than rental as well. Um, using the same example, if you bought a commercial property, you would write it off over 39 years instead of 27 and a half, and then that annual deduction will be around, you know, 12800 So, So that's one... Um, one good thing about depreciation. And then also, of course, if you borrow funds for a rental property, uh, your tenant essentially pays off the property for you and you can take a tax deduction for the interest. Um, and then, of course, at the same time, you know, one, you, you know, you're building equity and you're, you're building wealth by, by having that uh, tenant in there. Yeah, awesome. So I just want to highlight something you said because I think a lot of people don't don't realize this. Even though you're making money in real estate because of the way the tax laws are structured, you on paper it looks like you've lost money. <laughs> so right. um, you are making money, but then you end up paying less taxes. So I don't know. Um, you know, no one's seen Donald Trump's bank account. Uh, sorry, tax returns because he hasn't shared them. But right. I wouldn't be right. surprised if his tax burden is zero because um because of the way the tax laws are written and because even though you're making money on on paper it looks like you're losing money so it's right pretty incredible that way yeah and going back to depreciation there's also other vehicles and schemes you can use uh for example accelerated depreciation you can do a cost segregation study to get uh, a, a more accelerated depreciation and take more expenses in the early years. So you can work with the timing of those deductions. Um, and then, so I talked about owning it or managing yourself. Of course, you can um, have a property management company, help with the management, but you can also put your funds into more of a passive investment, you know, where you do not have to be involved in the management. Um, so that that would be if you put your um, money into you know a, a real estate investment trust or another type of vehicle where you earn a, a, a fixed return in the form of interest or dividends or disbursements or or a tax credit that you can utilize. So there are many different ways to um, say that that can give you benefits for tax purposes. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, we have um, so I, I syndicate. Uh, commercial properties, apartment buildings, and, and the like, and our our investors get part of the t- depreciation as well. So they, even though they they may right. be right. and they're passive, they still get to um, to enjoy those tax benefits. So that's really great. Um, so I know that. So last year there was a there was a tax law that was passed. What are some of the major changes from last year's tax law that apply to real estate investors? Yes, yeah, so there's a, a few of the new rules that I want to highlight that really can benefit our listeners here. And uh, we're talking about the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, and it was effective as of January 2018. So if you haven't filed your 17 taxes yet, because you, as an individual you have until October this year, it won't affect those taxes. But going forward for the 2018 year, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about now. 
So a, a lot of investors, a lot of my clients, they hold their real estate in pass-through entities. And what I'm referring to are entities that passes through the items of income and expenses to their owners, such as you know, a partnership, an S-corporation, or a limited liability company that has not made an election to be taxed as another type of entity. So the new law here says that uh, only 80% of the net profits from a trade or business, including re- rental real estate, is exempt from tax. So you're get, basically getting a 20% exemption from taxable income. And that's, that's great. Oh. You know, you just All get right. so to be taxed on 80% instead of 100%. And then oh, uh, for right. many ultimate investors, they're individuals. The, the maximum tax rate uh, has been lowered from 39.6% to 29.6%. So not only is 20% of taxable income exempt, but the remaining profits are taxed at a 10% lower rate. Yeah. You know, oh, so um, amazing. I yeah, and and uh, the word on the street is that this will have a huge impact on all businesses because approximately ninety five percent of all U.S. businesses are taxed as pass through entities. So we're going to see a, um, a great benefit here. I think. Great. Um, and something else I wanted to highlight, and uh, this this is good for you know anyone that's really uh, self-employed. You know, a lot of my clients are realtors, brokers, property managers. They have their own businesses, and they're considered to be self-employed and use their vehicles for business purposes. So we have something that's called Section 179, which allows new business assets to be deducted in the year you purchase them uh, instead of having to capitalize them and depreciate it. So um, oh. you probably, yeah, you probably heard of this. Uh, it's been around for some years. It was called an SUV loophole or the Hummer deduction, where you could write off twenty-five thousand dollars of an SUV or heavy truck that qualified. And to qualify, it had to weigh more than six thousand pounds, fully loaded, and uh, be on a truck chassis. So there were all these lists of vehicles that were qualified, but it was still limited to the twenty-five thousand and then you could take depreciation on the remaining basis. But this new law now going forward in 18, you can combine this Section 179 deduction with 100% bonus depreciation, which basically lets you write off the entire cost of the vehicle. And you can take a loan on it. You don't have to purchase it for cash. So um, so to give you an example uh, to show what I mean, let's say, you know, you make 500000 you have $400,000 of expenses, so your net profit is 100000 You buy a vehicle for 100000 and now your income is zero. So if you wow. look at federal income tax at 20% and self-employment tax at 15.3%, you're basically saving, you know, 35.3% in taxes. So I wow. think we're going to see a okay. lot of big vehicles being purchased before the end of the year here. And so this is just for vehicles, bigger vehicles, right? They have to weigh a certain yeah. amount. Yeah, okay. there's a list. So these are your big SUVs and, and trucks. Okay. Wow. Okay. And, and there are specified cool. lists of exactly which vehicles will qualify. Okay. So, yeah. That's cool. 
That's very cool. And the last thing I wanted to touch base on is also something new out of this uh, law that um, basically said that all the governors in the U.S. could identify opportunity zones, basically zones that were underdeveloped, low income, that needed a, a, you know, a boost. So um, there's a provision uh, that an investor can set up a fund called an opportunity fund in an opportunity zone, and investors that have capital gains, unrealized capital gains, or realized capital gains. So let's say you have stock in the stock market that you know have appreciated, but you just leave it there because you don't want to pay the capital gain. Or you sold an investment property, and you have this huge capital gain, and maybe you know you were thinking about doing a 1031 like an exchange to defer it, but you didn't. Well, let's say you, you recognize the gain, whether it's from the stock market or from a property. You have 180 days to put it into this fund. And then after hmm. five years, you can defer 10% of the capital gain. If you hold that investment another two years for seven years, you can defer another five. So now you deferred 15% on the original 100% gain. Now, if you leave that investment in that fund for another three years for a total of 10, you get a 100% step up in basis of the appreciation in the fund itself. So when you sell that investment after 10 years, you don't pay any capital gain on that last appreciation. So we also think that this will give the economy a great boost to actually get those capital gains out of you know, the market being unrealized and getting to use in these zones all over the countries where, you know, development can take place. So, uh, so we're waiting to see a lot that. more about this. Yeah. And, um, so I want to make sure I understand and our, our listeners understand. So you have these, you have um, capital gains, you've sold some investment, other property, uh, real property or, or stocks, and you, mm-hmm. you, would like to avoid the capital gains. You're not doing a 1031. So you're going to put that money into an opportunity fund. Is that a fund that you yes. can start yourself or you can invest or somebody else has an opportunity yeah. fund and you're just putting in money? How does that how does Either that or. So you can look for um, funds that are already created or you can create your own. Or you, yeah. Okay. So, and we're waiting for more guidance on how this is going to, uh, works, but it's basically a self-certifying process uh, where you know you you have to make sure that your fund is in a zone that's approved, um, and then that fund has to reinvest the money into either uh, a business that operates in that zone or in business property. You know, okay. and, and when it comes to real estate, uh, significant improvements have to be made to that property, but we're, but we're waiting for guidance on what significant improvement really means. But I think it will be based on facts and circumstances. You know, you buy an old hotel and then you revamp it or you demolish it and you, you know, you build a new one. Uh, things like yeah. that, I think, would qualify. All right. Very interesting. Uh, yeah. It's it's not surprising that the president who architected this tax law was a real estate investor. It's a very beneficial law for real estate. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, now sw- switching gears slightly, are there, okay. You know, uh, but what are some of the 
biggest mistakes that real estate investors make regarding their taxes? I mean, there are a lot of things that you can do to um, to save to use real estate to save taxes, but what are some of the mistakes that you see? Well, one of the mistakes that I see is uh, going back to these passive activities versus active activities. Because sometimes, especially when you have rental real estate, um, it, those losses can be suspended. So passive losses are generally only deductible to the extent of passive income. But there are okay. some exceptions. So a special rule for individuals is that, let's say, you know, you just have one rental property, um, it will let you deduct up to $25,000 of, of losses from rental real estate on a joint return. Okay. So, uh, but sometimes if you're modified adjusted gross income, and that's kind of like, let's think of it as your total income is, is over a certain limit, uh, and that's usually 150000 for your joint return, those loss, passive losses are starting to be phased out. So you may not be able to take advantage on it. So the timing is important between all of your investments to time the losses and the, and the uh, profits. Um, okay. And then um, there's also rules for real estate professionals. So if you are a real estate professional and you have these types of losses, um, and you actively materially participate in the management of your investments, then you know you're able to to take the losses as well. So that's one thing that people sometimes well, why can't I take my loss? Well, this is why, and we should have talked about it before, you know, when we did your, your tax planning. Okay. Um, Another thing, and we did talk about this in conjunction with the um, the SUV uh, example. Um, a lot of these investors are considered self-employed because they don't get paid on the W-2 from, from a third-party employer. Um, and then in addition to the income tax, you're also subject to the self-employment tax, which represents both the employer's and employee's portion of Social Security taxes and Medicare taxes. And that's something that I do work with a lot of realtors, and they say, well, why do I have to pay this? I have all these other deductions. Well, with self-employment tax, it's like it's separate own system, so we, you can't eliminate the self-employment tax by, for example, you know, itemized deductions, standard deductions, or, or tax credits. That's something also to be aware of when, when you are um, investing. Okay. All right. Um, and other mistakes that you see people make? Uh, sometimes uh, perhaps not being uh, prepared, not doing their due diligence, uh, maybe just jumping on an investment without, you know, talking to their professionals, their team of advisors to really see if it was something that um, that was viable. And sometimes, unfortunately, um, when friends and family members go into business together, uh, they don't have a proper operating agreement or bylaws. So if something happens between them, you know, things can get very ugly. So uh, I would definitely say, yeah. especially if you invest with other partners, to have those documents in place. Yes, so crucial. Um, yeah, that's definitely something that, you know, I think when people are investing with folks that they're close to, family members, friends, they go, oh, 
you know, that's my brother or my friend. I don't yeah. need an agreement with them, right? But right. I would say if you care about the relationship, then you need, then you particularly need an agreement. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. clear agreements don't um, jeopardize relationships. They save them. And, and then also your money. So it's it's so important that people have clear um, clear agreements between them. So Absolutely. You know, Monique, I do work with a lot of foreign investors. Um, I know we mentioned that before. And one big mistake that I see a lot for them is that they are not aware of the FERPTA. So that is the FERPTA is uh, 15% mandatory withholding tax when a non-U.S. person disposes of U.S. real property. And that gets mm. taken out at closing and remitted, and it's being remitted to the IRS at closing. And it could be a huge surprise because it's based on 15% of the gross sales price and has no correlation wow. to the actual 15% of the you know, tax on the taxable income. So it doesn't take into consideration the basis or any closing costs. And I've had a lot of calls, you know, from the closing table, what is going on? It's like, well, you should have consulted with me first. So you should have, you know, someone should have told you that this existed and we could have mitigated it prior to closing. But at closing, there's not not really anything we can do because we have to do uh, a withholding certificate prior to closing if, if we are going to mitigate that withholding. Oh, my gosh. So... So you, there's a have a, a client who's, who lives in um, who lives in Sweden. Per se, they they bought yeah. a property here, and they're selling as a million dollar property. Uh, well, the price of sale price is a million dollars, so they're gonna owe fifteen percent, uh, like one hundred fifty thousand, to the government. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be remitted to the IRS from the closing proceeds, and then the wow. taxpayer. Uh, have the opportunity to file a tax return for the year of the sale and show the IRS, well, I actually had basis and my this is my taxable gain, this is my, you know, tax liability, which is this much smaller than the 15% you withheld, so I now request a refund. But, you know, if you go to closing early in the year and you have to wait a whole year to file the return and then wait another, you know, three months on the refund, that's a lot of lost money that you could put into better use and earn a return on yeah. versus having it in right. the IRS. Okay. Well, that's that's something important for international investors to, to know. Yeah, and definitely. And so if um, the, uh, about that, because as a as a syndicator who sometimes has investors from outside of the country, would this affect? Um, so say you have a passive investor who's an international investor, would that affect the investment as well? So, for example, if you have it set it up as a partnership or LLC, uh, what would happen in that case, we would forego the actual source of withholding, but the partnership would have to withhold the tax on behalf of the foreign partner. So you would inside wow. when you calculate the gain on the sales transaction, you would allocate the pro rata share to the foreign partners, and then the partnership would have to withhold and remit the tax on behalf of those foreign partners. So it would, you know, it would be something that you would have considered for your foreign partners. Yes. Okay. Wow. All right. That's good to know. I did not know that. Um, so let me um, ask you another question. Um, yes. Yeah. We're we're getting towards the 
uh, ahead of our time, but this is this is this is interesting for me that we're in the weeds. Um, what type of legal entity is best for real estate investors? Is there, you know, we've talked about different entities that people might be in. What, what would you say is best? Yeah, and I actually do a whole seminar on this um, because there are so many factors that need to be uh, considered. So I would say it depends on the overall strategic plan, depends on the client's mm-hmm. short, mid, and long-term goals and objectives. Uh, it depends on how active the person wants to be in the day-to-day management. And it would also depend on if they plan on bringing in other investors into this, um, um, you know, specific investment, and if any of those um, entities or individuals are foreign. So I think it's really important to look at the whole picture and also speak with the client's attorneys and other uh, advisors before I, you know, make a recommendation. Okay. Uh, Having said that, Right now, the most common entity is, is either a single member or a multi-member LLC, followed by a partnership. That's really okay. um, a very easy way to structure it. Um, I often steer people away from the traditional C corporation because of double taxation and, and other issues. Uh, but for some investors, and particularly uh, some of my investors from, um, from Malaysia and from you know, Europe, they like the C corporation because of certain, you know, treaties and and for disclosure purposes. Okay. Um, and then I also have I have a lot of foreign investors that are in REITs. Uh, it's an easy way, it's an attractive way to hold real estate, and you know you get a guaranteed dividend and and you know a certain return on investment. So um, I think uh, that is something that should be considered as well. Fantastic. And for those of you who don't know, a REIT is a real estate investment trust. Well, yes. Um, all right, cool. So how do you work with investors for tax planning and wealth building? I uh, I like to be proactive with my clients and work with their team. I think I said that three times now because it's really important. Um, I like to, you know, identify innovative strategies for my clients that fit their needs, you know, I'm big on listening. I try to understand uh, what it is they're looking for. Um, you know, are they, if they're foreign investors, do they want to come here on a visa? What type of visa do they need? Do they want to become a citizen? Do they want their children to be coming here uh, to go to school? Um, and I try to, you know, try to work with them for the optimal solution. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, that's great. Uh, there's so many, as you were saying, there, there are a lot of different variables that can go into deciding like what kind of entity to do and, yeah. you know, and how you want to be. So uh, it's great that you take the time to find out everyone's needs. Cause uh, as I say, real estate investing is not one size fits all. <laughs> so, um, no, it's not. You, you have to, you have to meet the person where they're at. To the school. Yeah. And what's the yeah. best way for those interested in finding out more about what you do or working with you? What's the best way for them to, to contact, get in contact with you? Uh, so my website is www.mariecpa.com, and that's M-A-R-I-E-C-P-A.com, or email me at marie at mariecpa.com. I try to keep it easy so there's no spelling of my last name involved. Um 
yeah, that's probably the easiest way, either website or email. Okay, fantastic. MarieCPA.com. And <laughs> yeah. um, lastly, it's time for our end of show trinity, uh, our famed end of show trinity. What's one thing you are celebrating right now? I'm celebrating the opportunity to contribute to your book. Uh, well, for women, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for the book, and um, you know, I'm also excited to participate in your conference um, in November in LA. So I'm celebrating yes. that. Yay! I'm celebrating that too. So um, <laughs> I have talked about this before in the podcast, but briefly, y'all, we have um, there's a book coming out. Uh, this month of September is called Wealth for Women, Conversations with a Team that Creates a Dream. And I, in, in that book are interviews with um, 15 incredible women team members, people that um, are so important for being successful in real estate investing. And Marie is one of our, um, is one of our featured, she's the, the featured CPA for that book. Uh, so that's going to be coming out in a, a let you guys know when it does, but I'm so so excited that you're you're in the book, Marie. And she's yeah. mentioned our our wealth through real estate event, which is happening November second through fourth in Los Angeles. And you can join us there by going to wealththroughrealestateevent.com, and uh, and you'll get to meet Marie there and, and me Yay. <laughs> and a bunch of other incredible women. So yay! Yeah, well bragged. Um, and what's one thing you're grateful for I am grateful you know every day for you know my family for health and for the people who have helped me um, guided me mentored me in my life I mean I'm incredibly blessed and uh, it's you know it's always hard to pick one thing but I if I have to pick one thing it, it would have to be my daughter She's my everything, and, you know, my husband and I were uh, married 12 years before we were blessed with her, so um, I love her. Oh, that's <laughs> beautiful. And lastly, what's one thing you desire? That's a hard one. You know, I always desire to help people, um, and I feel that I do that in my business and in my volunteer work. I, I try to be... Um, I try to be helpful, I try to be a good person, and I think um, just trying to do that every day um, and, you know, happiness and inner peace will follow. Mm, beautiful. So your desire is to, to help more people every day. Yes. All right. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was so um, informative and and great. And so, again, you guys can reach Marie at uh, www.mariecpa.com or marie at mariecpa.com. And you can meet her live at the Wealth Through Real Estate event happening November 2nd through 4th. Again, go go to Real Estate wealththroughrealestateevent.com to register and if you use the code WEALTHY W-E-A-L-T-H-Y all caps, you're going to get a significant discount. So join us there and join us next week for another Real Estate Investor Goddess interview. Thanks and bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.